Hey guys, good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Dr. Boyce and Alicia or BoyceandAlicia.tv.com, home of Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and I'm here with my lovely wife, Dr. Alicia. Hey, good morning. I guess we got morning, morning voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We gotta wake our voices up. <clears throat> well, that's what makes pillow talk authentic because we really are laying against our pillows. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, let us know uh, if you can hear us because uh, we had some audio challenges last time. I don't, I don't want that to interrupt the conversation. So if you could give us a quick yes if you can hear us, okay. Everybody say yes if you can hear me. That way I know that we can keep on going. And in case you want to know what Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia is, basically it is a show where uh, two black college professors who love each other and who are proud to be black uh, get online and try to participate in thoughtful conversations that you might imagine that two married college professors would be talking about while they're laying in, in bed next to each other. Yeah, isn't that something? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We were having so many interesting conversations about so many things. And I, and I, you know, and I didn't realize, like, I never even met a college professor until I was 19 years old. Dr. Tommy Whitler at DePaul University. Oh. My buddy to this day. Yeah, and so it's kind of like what we take for granted, what our kids take for granted, like getting to hear from professors every day. A lot of people, a lot of us don't get that experience, right? So I said, <laughs> let's just do a podcast about it. Are you enjoying it so far? I always enjoy, I, you know, it's just, I just like being with you. I just like hanging out with you. No. It's I like, would never do without you. <laughs> what? Yes. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, um, we were, we were watching that Janet Jackson documentary. And, uh, I know Alicia, Alicia was doing the happy dance when the oh Janet thing God. came on. It just, I mean, it took me through my whole childhood. So, like, I went from probably the fifth grade all the way up to my first job when I out of college. It was like, wow. it was so great. And, and even then, some like she took me. It took me all through my life. Wow. And I had it was just like taking a, a walk down memory lane, and I would stop. I would stop the documentary and be like, "Okay, so when this song came out, here's what I was doing. This came out in the summer of of 1993." Yeah, and she was really, <laughs> she was really doing that. Like she was like, "Okay, boys, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in high school right now. Yes. Right now, right now, I'm in the tenth grade. Yes. And then, and then she'd be like, "Okay, now I'm graduating from college. When this song came, when this song's on, I'm graduating from college." Yeah, it was. Oh God, and I wanted to be, I wanted to be like Janet Jackson so bad. It was Janet Jackson and Bonnie DeBarge. Those two, I wanted to get my feather. The feather. You, you right. had to get your feather right. One day I got, you got to send me a picture of you with your feather so I can. My show feather it was not right. Uh, there's a picture of me in the sixth grade on the internet. Oh no! And it ain't, it happen? ain't cute. Who did that? I'll I show it, it to you. I'll show it to you. Well, I went to school at um, St. Mary of the Lake. Yeah, right there. Right. I mean, you grew and up like a few blocks from the Jacksons. We I, we we failed to mention that. Like you are straight out of straight out of Gary. Straight out of Gary. Yeah. So of course, you know, being from Gary, we we watched her closely mm. as little girls. I didn't hang out with no boys back then. You know, when mm, I was little. Right. But stay with for them boys. <laughs> they only want out. one thing. But really, the boys the boys were all about Michael Jackson. We were all about Janet. It was like we would have like school dances in the Catholic school, and the little boys would dance to Michael Jackson. We would dance to Janet, and Are you it serious? was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it was really yeah. Because cool. I can't imagine growing up in Gary, mm -hmm. like how it must have felt growing up in Gary, Indiana. Mm -hmm. Like 
right down the street from Jackson's, that tiny little house they have. Their house was so small. Unbelievable. How many of y'all, first of all, let's actually, before I ask you about that. Okay, all right. I want to ask, how many of y'all watch any piece of the Janet Jackson documentary? Uh, Give me a yes or no in the chat if you saw any of it. Uh, It's been kind of a big TV event. And, uh, you know, as you can imagine, my wife and I have been watching. And so let's go back to the the Jacksons and this tiny ass house they had. (laughs) So you took me to their house. Yeah. I mean, that house is like, it's not big enough for three puppies. It is, yeah, it is super tiny. And 11, was it 11 children? Yeah, they had 11 kids 11 in that children lived in this house. Oh, my God. And it was a two-bedroom house. Two bedrooms. Wow. That's unbelievable. So many people were packed in that house. And I, and I, you know what I, and I, you know what I love about it, too? Yeah. And I, and then you could, let's go back to the 80s. Man, okay. I, I really want to get a sense for you, like, what it was like mm-hmm. living in Gary in the 80s mm-hmm. when the Jacksons are like at their peak. Yeah. Like it don't get no peakier than the Jacksons in the 80s and 90s. Michael held the 80s down, Janet held down the 90s. Yeah, pretty opinion. much. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like they own this family owned two decades. Mhm. Mhm. All right. So so but but let's let's get back to this. So so they live in this tiny little house and and let's just take a moment to give a shout out to strong black fathers and strong black mothers who can maintain a strong black family. When you ain't got two nickels to rub together. But see, that's what Gary was about, though. Mm, tell me about Gary. I mean, Gary Gary was great because <clears throat> you can work at the steel mill mm. and make enough money, you know, to... You, you're not going to be rich, but you would make enough money. I mean, especially in my years, you can make enough money to send your children to college Did and to t- have a two-car garage house. Now, and I don't know. I think, like, people who worked in the steel mills lived a little better mm. than when Joe was working in the steel mill back in the day. But, I mean, he had so many people to take care of. <laughs> you know, it, it may have been better if it wasn't so many children. But, um, but yeah, I mean, if, that was a good job. You graduate from high school, you get a job at the steel mill, and you're living pretty good. Living I just love good. I just love that idea though that even though even though I mean he had the job the steel mill, but clearly they weren't rolling in dough. Mm-hmm. Like to live in a house that small. Like y'all got to see this house. Like this house, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I said, there's no way, there's no way that a family that big lived in a house that tiny. And um, you know, and it was I love it though because they they stuck together, you know, and they stuck together not just through poverty, but this black family stuck together through the pressure cooker of fame and crazy white people. <laughs> crazy white people. Yeah. yeah. When David Bowie went to that party. It offered them drugs and, <laughs> and they're going to Europe and people are like, ah, my God, my you know, like, like they, they still it is crazy. Like that, that was one thing that stuck to me. Like I pay, I see things like that, like spiritual things below the surface. That's what mm-hmm. I connect to. And what I connected to really appreciated about Janet Jackson's, um, and we're still going to get back to the 80s because I want to ask you about that. Janet Jackson's energy through the whole documentary was that she wasn't really bitter about what she went through. No. She maintained like extensive loyalty to family. And her brother in particular, yeah. Yeah, and her brother. And it wasn't no bombshell like, oh, my my dad was this or my, my mama was that. It was none of that. It was like, we're family. We love each other, and that's what it is. And that that sturdiness played a huge part in their success. Mm-hmm. It really did. I mean, they had to bond it together because they were on tour together, the brothers. 
the Jackson Five in the early in yeah. the early years. I mean, how could you not? Yeah, but you, but you see mm-hmm. lots of groups and lots of families that where that, that fall apart. That fame will mess them up. It goes to people's heads. Everybody... Whatever happened to Menudo? Remember Menudo? See, Menudo was like my hit. <laughs> you don't you, know about Menudo? We're going to pretend like you didn't say that. What about that. the Jets? Like, there was a group called Menudo and the Jets, and that was like a family group. Let me tell you, that is, they're underrated. The family groups of Menudo. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, and the Jets. It was just like singing families. But we'll have to do our Menudo podcast. <laughs> you don't know? Y'all don't know about the, the Jets? The Jets, though? You don't know about the Jets? No, I do not know about Oh, I got to, I'm, I'm going to introduce you to them, because they are. I know about That's the New, I know up. about the New York Jets and I know about the Jetsons and I've flown <laughs> on private jets. That's all I know. You didn't listen to that. You didn't listen to it. And Louisville it made its way down there, didn't it? I'm sure it did, but I missed that. Era. Where were you? I was asleep that whole decade. Menudo oh, was man. Big. Okay. Yeah, okay. I put them in the category <laughs> of NSYNC, like in those other groups I ignored. Well, NSYNC that was like beyond my time. I was too old for NSYNC. But I went too old bye, for Menudo and the Jets. Speaking of NSYNC, how about this? We still, <laughs> still got to go back to the 80s. We still got to go back to the 80s. But I I, I was really, I don't know about everybody else, but I'm, I was livid. Like when I saw the whole thing about Justin Timberlake and Janet and the oh whole wardrobe malfunction. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was really ridiculous. It, they did it as if she had, they treated her as if she did it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, like, like, why did you let that white man pull your titty out on TV? Like, you whore, <laughs> you ridiculous, you pedophile. Like, they really were tripping, like, you know over what? this. I, I think, like, white people were tripping because, like, I just remember, I remember that moment and, like, us as black people, we were just like, oh, you know, we didn't really see a big deal out yeah. of it. And we just kind of moved on and was listening to her music anyway. Like, I don't think we kind of, we didn't really, we weren't really tuned in to what the anger that white people felt. We were just like, all right, sit down somewhere. They were treating her <laughs> like she was the female R. Kelly or something. <laughs> like, like, what? What the? Like it was, it, it was, it's, it's so weird. Isn't and it I, terrible? It's it just, I, it, and here's the thing, here's the thing, and this is the thing I'm going to point out on that, is Imagine if it had been a black man performing with a white woman. Like if Diddy was performing with Britney Spears and actually <laughs> pulled her nipple out, who would they blame? Y'all y'all answer me in the chat. Who would they blame? Would they blame Britney Spears or the Negro who did it? Whatever Negro it could be, you could just put it. It could be any black man's favorite, right? <laughs> Boyce Watkins performing with oh, Britney Spears. Who would they blame? They would the, be like this rapist. <laughs> right. He raped her and he assaulted her. <laughs> oh, it'd be new laws about sexual assault. It, it was announced. It'd be today the first that, Me Too movement yes, <laughs> early on. Federal yeah. charges have been filed against the rapper Diddy for, sure <laughs> for publicly assaulting a white woman. Poor thing. Everybody would have rallied around Britney. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it, I just like that. That to me, yeah, that was one of the I think worst things about in the documentary in terms of just flat out injustice. Like you know, yeah. and and the way and then Janet just comes off like this super sweet, super meek person, which she she ain't hurt nobody. She's like, well, I went to the store and then I saw well, the CD on the, and then she get on stage and then become a whole. Who person. is she? Well. You know, she does become a different person. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. So I, it, the documentary, and I guess we can get to it later. But I, it wasn't. Uh, I didn't like everything about the documentary. I'll well, just say that. Tell me what you didn't like. Well, you know what I didn't like. 
I kept complaining about. <laughs> uh, I felt okay. I so there were there were two things that I had like issue with with the documentary. Although overall it was spectacular. I just okay. want to say spectacular. I can't even think of a adjective to describe it. Oh, it, it was, was just it was like so wonderful. But I don't know if I really needed to hear commentary from Whoopi Goldberg. I didn't want to hear Whoopi Goldberg, and I got annoyed <laughs> when I, they could put they put Al Sharpton on the screen. Like why? Why, why Al, do we need? Why to hear is Al them? Sharpton in here? It just, get out <laughs> get out it just seemed it seemed a little off it seemed like because i think the documentary was so good by itself mm. like we didn't need all those celebrities like who's the one lady she's really really good her name is Ta tatiana taylor oh, yeah, or whatever. tiana taylor yeah tiana taylor yeah she's like totally awesome but i'm looking at her like I don't even think you're 30 years old. What do you know about Janet Jack? Like, you don't know her like well, I you do. Know what? You know, it was almost I, like, I, understood. I don't give you, you don't have the right to talk about Janet Jackson because that's my Ooh, era. Wow. It's almost like, yo, you you don't know. I mean, she knows because she's an artist, of course, but I'm thinking you're not my age. So well, how can you say it? Well, let me, let me, let me add and I hear that point, right? I agree. They they were like, were they even alive? We didn't, were, yeah, they, were they even like alive just, in the year nineteen ninety five? Like I'm trying to count. I got to do the math. But 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 you're then, not old enough. Right, right. <laughs> but then then again, though, I can I can partially understand the inclusion of uh, Tiana Taylor and Janelle Monae. Janelle Monae. Actually, I met Janelle at the Breakfast Club. I think she was in a bad mood that day. She wasn't very friendly, but she seemed she's not, she's a very talented artist. And uh, anyway, I, I can see the, their inclusion because they represent like the next generation. Like they were inspired by Janet. Yeah, all of us were in some way inspired. Like I wasn't inspired by Janet to dance and to right. sing and stuff, but I was inspired to be great. But I don't think, I, don't, I just felt like the documentary on its own was really good with the brothers and the sister, only one sister. Where was, where was LaToya? Mm, I think and the, was Rebe there? I think we don't was, talk about Latoya. We don't talk, we don't talk, talk about, about Toya. Toya. No, no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I think she's Latoya's probably out there somewhere. But yeah. anyway, I just like I felt like it was just good enough where we didn't need we didn't need to hear. Well, from. and remember they didn't interview. even Samuel Jackson. As much as I like his stuff, like I didn't. I don't I, know if I well, needed to hear from him. I, but I understand why they would include certain celebrities because what it does, in my view, is it adds. It really, they. I think they were trying to cement her legacy. Okay. They were okay. really trying to, you know. Um, What's the word? Validate her as one of the greatest artists of all time. That's what these documentaries do. Like, so they get lot... other people to come in and say, "Oh, she's yeah. great. She's wonderful. She's great." Yeah, people co-signing. Okay, like, great people. Great people kind of okay. co-signing and, and jumping in and saying, "Oh yeah, this person was amazing. Oh yeah, this person is iconic." Okay, right? I could see that. I guess maybe me and per maybe other people who were watching the documentary needed to see that. I just felt like I didn't need to see it. Yeah, and I wonder if Toya. Miss B makes a good point. She says Toya would have spilled too much. And, ooh, I, and ooh, I wonder ooh, if, ooh, if Toya's, you know, perspective on the Jackson family would have been, you know, consistent with Janet's. Ah, uh, well, she did say, I'm telling my story my way. And maybe yeah. she handpicked those people. She said, you know what? I'm going to do a documentary and I want Whoopi Goldberg and I mm -hmm. want um, T Sierra, which Sierra, I could see a little Sierra because she, What's when Sierra, Sierra was in it. She made a few comments, I, I think. I see Sierra. Somehow I remember seeing her face on the screen. But Sierra's style and her dance and her singing, 
like if you close your eyes, you'd be like, wait, that's Janet singing. No, 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 that's Sierra. Like they yeah. sound, they seem alike. Yeah, well, and that's so. what I see with Janet is like, and I can, that's why I understand the inclusion of the young artists because they are a modern day manifestation of the influence that Janet had mm-hmm. in the in the industry, right? Just like when I see young rappers. They don't understand like they were grandfathered in by the ice cubes and mm-hmm. you know and then and then you go to the next generation of m&ms and 50 cents and then you go to the ti's and then next thing you know you end up with little uzi vert and mm-hmm. what you know what i mean like all this other stuff that's out here which which is, has gotten kind of crazy like rappers shouldn't be dying as much as they are well, but um i think it's interesting too because uh, um our girls like i'm like we watching janet jackson you know and they're just like okay bye i'm out of here they didn't even watch it they weren't that into it which i'm disappointed i'm like wait they're from (laughs) gary and diana you're supposed to want them to see it and they didn't really remember though they they have you know their own they're gonna they're have they're having their own janet jackson experience Uh, like the same way you and i are offended that they're not excited about (laughs) janet jackson I'm sure our parents were offended that we didn't get excited about Earth the Kit or, you we, know what I mean? Or, you know, yeah, that's or, not probably true. Earth the Kit, uh uh-uh, uh, I'm out of here. Or, or, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who it, it would be, but. No, but, when I was young, when I was in high school, I, I didn't want to hear from Earth the Kit. I mean, I love her what, now, but back then. I'd what be was like, that lady's name who did Stormy Weather? Stormy Weather. I don't know. Y- y'all help us out. Help us remember the name. It doesn't matter. But See, yeah, that, that, that era, we can't even think of the name. And, it's a tragedy in our parents' era. Oh, remember how Fred G. Sanford <laughs> used to be in love with Lola Falana? Because <laughs> he remembered Lola from the 1940s and 50s. That is funny. Yeah. That and that's funny. A, so maybe the Lena Horn, thank you. Lena, Lena Horn, Horn, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's that's so every generation has its icons. It's Janet. It's right. Janet Jackson in every generation. Yeah. Yeah, like I knew I was old when I would hear like kids like reminiscing online openly about spongebob episodes from the 2000s oh gosh yeah and you know or um some of the other stuff pokemon or whatever even pokemon is like getting to where it's like an old thing but i I was an adult when that stuff came out so it, it didn't get me the way it got them that's true nostalgia so maybe that's what it was the nostalgia of it yeah, yeah, really it was really it. good. And by the way, um, you are watching uh, uh, Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia Watkins. This is where my wife and I get together on our pillows and have um, hopefully intelligent black conversations about issues that are going on in our community. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about Dr. Alicia and what she does, she's a licensed therapist and full professor of social work. Her website is coachingwithdralicia.com. You can also follow her at Coaching with Dr. Alicia on Instagram. Also, please hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. We're building Black-owned media, and we really love it if you could be conscious and support what we're trying to do because we're competing against a world full of craziness and ignorance, y'all. So we kind of need y'all's help. All right. So here's um, – so now let's go back. I, I, I know I told you I'm a focus man, so we're going to go back oh, okay. to what I asked you earlier about – uh, and I didn't let you finish the answers in all fairness. So I wanted, I'd love to hear your response. What was it like growing up in Gary in the eighties mm-hmm. with the Jackson family, like literally right down the street? Like, what was that like? Well, they weren't down the street in the eighties. They were out by then. I mean, they, well, their house was, their house was, like, yeah. They, these it, are your people going out into the world. Kicking yeah. Ass, it really names. helped us because so many terrible things were happening in Gary in the eighties. We were like the steel mill, um, was in the process of shutting down. Mm. That's the start of the steel mill. Like, cause that was our big economy in Gary. It was everybody right. worked. I mean, um, everyone in my family was school teachers. 
So, you know, uh, we were kind of a service to those individuals who taught the children of the steel people who worked in the steel mill. So the steel in, in the steel mills, what brought my family to Gary from Pennsylvania. Wow. wow. And um, so that was um, that was really nice. But uh, if they were unionized, they knew they could have, you know, so it was so many benefits from there. And I think that it was, oh, my God. And we had that Gary Mayor, Richard Hatcher. Okay, black mayor. Yeah, I think he may have been. I have to look it up. He may have been the first black mayor. Oh no! I know he's the first black mayor. Don't tell me something bad happened. Well, I mean, he's got mixed reviews in retrospect. Like a lot of people look back on him and criticize a lot of the things, terrible things, decisions that he made that he couldn't keep Gary together. And I know when he became mayor, he kind of did not cooperate well with others, or he kind of was. I don't know. He just, he has a lot of bad rap with the decisions that he made. I was really young, so I don't know if I understand it totally, but at the end of it all, um, at the end of the 80s, we were really terrible as a city. We were the, yeah, the murder capital, murder of, the capital of the world, which is oh, so depressing. And you got crack, you got the crack era that hit all cities. Oh. We were not exempt from that, but but there was a lot of great things. So it was really, I think psychologically, it was really awesome. Plus I went to perform in art school. So hello, you know, we went to, yes. You know what, in your school, <laughs> and it's interesting, right? Because I, it's kind of unfortunate that, you know, with the Jacksons at the level that they were in the 80s. I remember mm-hmm. Thriller came out in the 80s. I mean, that's that's like, oh, gosh. like Michael Jackson was like mm-hmm. a, um, to me, it would at his peak, he was like, um, a a human personification of what like apple apple represents to us now mm-hmm. like he was a except he was a man he wasn't an apple he wasn't a company <laughs> he, was an, he was a human being he defined and, that era yeah, yeah and he just became so big and i just feel like i wish you know like he was so conscious and his family was so conscious about being black and i respect that immensely i would have loved it if somebody had like been able to sit down with the Jacksons and explain like poweronomics principles yeah. to them. Right. Oh, yeah. To the point where we, they, that you could help them under empower them to say, look, your city is dying. Yeah. You can come in with your connections, your leverage, mm-hmm. your capital. It really transformed the city. Yeah. Because at the, the entire time he was trying to protect his children living in Gary from those bad people. And then he went to Los Angeles, moved his family to Los Angeles and was in the heart of drugs. Oh, <laughs> like Los nice. Angeles, like he went from the frying pot to the fire sure did. <laughs> in terms of bad influences. They just have a, sh- they have shiny teeth and a nice smile, mm-hmm. you know, but it's, it was really awful. That's so true. Yeah. 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 I, I, I think, um, and I think with the documentary, I think the other piece of it that really um, I thought was, unfair to janet was the way um they connected her to michael's accusations and all that yeah like she i didn't i never realized until she really talked about it how you know when michael started getting accused of things in the 90s which you know y'all can debate over whether or not he might have been guilty or not i i I would definitely have to confess that that you know first of all innocent to proven guilty that always stands in my view but i would have to confess that you know that a girl. I don't think a grown man should be sleeping in the bed with children that are not his. Yeah, he made some bad decisions, but you know what? He didn't have a normal child. I'm making excuses, but <laughs> mm. you know, it may sound like that. But you know, he didn't have a normal childhood, so I don't think he even knows what normal means. Like that's not normal. I don't think he had the right people around him. Yeah, they should have. Somebody should have just kind of said, you know what? 
you, you, we can we can take this like weird you know children stuff like you can hang out with kids as much as you want but mm-hmm. there have to be boundaries because you're yeah. not a kid you know like like i think that's it just like okay have fun you know play with the kids in the park and you know be that guy but when it comes to like slumber parties where it's you and macaulay Culkin alone <laughs> alone you know in bed together with with a bowl of popcorn that's not gonna fly very well for other adults yeah i, I kind of feel like the jackson's jackson family because they overcame so much i kind of feel like that family was really targeted I'm, I'm gonna say it i'm gonna say it i'm gonna talk like people from gary talk <laughs> you Ooh, know it's funny. like leave them alone really leave jackson's alone i mean there's so much craziness in hollywood and they just want to just attach it all to to this great family i'm sorry well you know what's interesting is um i forgot who it was that i was talking to it might have been james m tume um the great m tume shout out to him he just he just passed Hmm. he did that song computer love i think he did that no no it wasn't him i'm sorry no it wasn't oh my god i got it wrong i got it wrong no m tume did another famous song somebody y'all gotta help me please oh yeah they did have i can't think of it right now but i know what you're talking it is not roger and zap and rest in peace because roger's passed on i shade to him and i shade a brother and tume this is a guy Mm -hmm. i knew personally and i liked him a lot and I don't remember if him Tume was the guy who told me this or somebody else. Was it Juicy Fruit? Juicy Fruit, yeah. Juicy. Was it Juicy Fruit? Do, 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 do. Mm, yeah, can. that's right. Thank you for correcting me. That song's kind of low-key, kind of not know, for right? children. I know, I know, right? Juicy. And I used to, I used to sing that song. Be well who you are. <laughs> I used to sing it out loud as a child. No one stopped me. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with those people? <laughs> sick bastards. Know, like, but yeah, uh-huh. so um, but yeah, so um, I don't know if Intume told me this or not, but he's such a wise man. I like this guy a lot. So I'm gonna give him credit for this. But I remember kind of being told that Michael was um when it came to things like money, he was out of touch. Like yeah, and, and other just a lot of things. He wasn't in touch with like what regular people like kind of see and 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 experience. So like they said that like if you went if you stopped at the store and went inside to get like a pack of gum, Michael would just hand you a hundred dollar bill. <laughs> for twenty five cent gum. <laughs> right, right. Cause he wasn't like in tune with uh, like that's not the right amount. Like you should hand them a dollar or yeah. two dollars. Well, you know, he's on a whole nother plane for sure. I know Janet, you know, and it was pretty sad. So I do want to talk a little bit about like what I noticed about her mental health. Mm. You know, I mean what do you what? <laughs> What you you're the expert. You're the mental you you are the mental health professional, mm-hmm. the licensed therapist. I'm not. So I'd I'd love to get your perspective. Well, um, well, first of all, I was a little shocked to to when it really real I realized it and being able to see and have her talk about the fact that as a really young girl of seven years old, she was performing in Las Vegas. And yeah. she was performing with boas and sequence dresses that I thought like didn't look like a seven year old should be wearing those type of things and and mm. saying things and doing things that I just kind of felt they kind of, they um they made her look like an adult <clears throat> when clearly she's just a little kid, and so yeah. that was a little troubling. That was yeah, yeah I saw mm-hmm. her. Yeah, she was in that dress with um, and she was on some well, those variety shows, and uh-huh. she's like seven and wearing like that dress with a little strap, like stuff that we I wouldn't let 
I wouldn't want Taylor wearing nothing like that. Yeah. Not on TV or anywhere, anywhere really. And she's like, and she walks up to the grown man and she's like, hey, big boy. Hey, big fella. Yeah. Or something like that. And it's mm-hmm. supposed to be funny. But it's like, you know, you got to really ask yourself, like, should it be funny that a little girl is doing what a grown woman does? Yeah. You know, deliberately trying to arouse a man. Like, that's just not cool. Like, none of that. Mm-hmm. You know? I, that really, that concerned me. I was like, goof. And I don't know why, um, it's not like I hadn't seen those videos of her, but to see it put together in this in the documentary, I was just kind of, I was really thrown back. Like, oh, as a child, because the way she said it and the way she spoke, it did not seem healthy. And I and I just picked up um, that she probably struggles with depression because, she, I mean, first of all, she said it. She said, I struggle with depression. But there were little things that she said. She said, yeah, I'm an emotional eater. And, mm, you know, yeah, she she'd say different things. And I was like, depression. Like, that's the only mm. thing. Classic depression and probably some anxiety, too. Well, I think black, I mean, don't black women kind of leave the world in anxiety and depression? Uh, okay. I'm we not leaving the world, but, but they, but, you know, and also, mm-hmm. remember, and also, um, it's, I don't think it's disconnected to the fact that black women are the most religious mm-hmm. group of people in America. Like, I think the religion is a way mm-hmm. to cope with mm-hmm. the, you know, at least I see that, like, with my mama, grandmama, great-grandmama, like, you know, uh, church, 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 like, to like, deal with your mental health. Yeah, like you take away Jesus, it's like end, well, the end of everything. Jesus you know? is telling you you need a therapist. <laughs> Jesus is saying, "Come and bring mm. bring the church with with you, right on in right on in my office." <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> you know that's that's true. Well, you know, and I don't think there's anything wrong with church as a as one of the coping mechanisms, right? Like I I think that one yeah. of the strengths. Here's the thing: one of the strengths, in my view, mm-hmm. here's one of the strengths of the Jackson family that reminds me of other strong families that have accomplished a lot, like the family of Victory Boyd um, Mm -hmm. and others, Serena and Venus, is that there tends to be a strong religious foundation there, right? Like, like, Like a code of conduct, a code of family, a code of ethics that, that, that sort of uh, supersedes whatever the rest of the world is doing. Right. Mm-hmm. So as much as we can critique it, and I agree, it is it can be it can become problematic if it becomes too extreme. But if you look at the way that the reason the Jacksons were so successful is because they stuck together as a family. They had their own core values. They they respected their parents no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's one of the things that makes a strong unit. You know, it's like just like military. Like if you have it's a strong soldiers who respect their commander then they're going to win. And and so if you look at Venus and Serena and again, shout out to their family too. You know, I mean, Richard, King Richard was in there doing what King Richard did. He made mistakes. He he did things, some things he did well, some things he didn't, but they always stood by the daddy. There wasn't no, there was never like this point where they're like, Oh my, my daddy made, he, he made an investment and it went bad. Or my daddy told me to do this and it didn't work out. No, they were like, that's my daddy. He, yeah, he messed up, but it's okay. Yeah, He's still and- my daddy. I'm gonna still ride with him till the wheels fall off. I I respect that tre- tremendously. Yeah, it took Tito to really explain that too, because what he's the oldest at that point. Yeah, yeah. I think he was the oldest, and um, and whew, Tito did a great job on the documentary. It's just something oh, he about him. He's just so cool. <laughs> Tito is like the coolest one. So yeah, I I really admired his perspective on that show but i think like janet because she did not have a normal childhood either i think that she did not 
wasn't able her her childhood was robbed of her too and i think that yeah. she i think she felt pretty isolated and alone because she kept saying you know you don't know if people are your friend because they really like you or if they you know if they're your friend because of who you are and your name and you know it was really hard and i think that she really needed that think about it she's the youngest of 11 children how can she get mm. you know how can she get the proper attention from her parents i mean it's impossible but she was the baby too though yeah I but feel like, I, I feel I, like being the baby no, I does mean, get some attention, and she was like, "What?" I mean, there was other girls. But she's so the many girl. people in that family. That's I true. just, I just look at her and I said, "This is a sad little girl that wants love and attention from her mom and dad." Oh, Tito's not the old. Tito's Annette, not the oldest. And that said, Tito's not the oldest. She said, "Renee is the oldest." Renee. Oh, okay. Don't, even, don't nobody ever talk about Renee Jackson. Where is she? So she <laughs> didn't make it on the documentary either. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I that's probably the first time I've ever heard. Renee, yeah. Okay. Renee so that makes sense. It was Renee, um, Reby, Renee, Reby, Latoya, and Janet. Those are the four girls. Okay. Wow. All right. Yeah. So that makes sense. So Joe had a productive life. Yeah, he was. Well, the kid of the fertility thing. Him and his wife. They. Yeah, they got it in. Good for them. Yeah, so I remember how she talked about she wanted to be um a lawyer and she wanted to go to college and she wanted to like mm -hmm. that's how she wanted to see her life and just she just didn't have that normal life. And her daddy was like, "No, you need to sing." Yeah, and, and yeah, her dad was like, "No, you need to sing. You need to get up on this stage." So you know, you also wonder about trauma. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, being in Vegas, she's like no other children was opening in Vegas was performing in vegas and we were you know wow. so you you do i do kind of wonder about the trauma and the depression and i mean i don't know i have to talk to her you know to get to to know it but that's what i'm going by what she is saying on her documentary mm -hmm. wow well by the way everybody if you just came came in uh you're listening to pillow talk with dr bush and dr alicia watkins uh i uh, that is where dr alicia and i get together and just ha try to have smart conversations about uh, things happening, things that black people care about. Um, and you ain't got to be black to be here, but we, we black and we ain't going to apologize for that. <laughs> so, uh, and by, so by the way, Dr. Alicia is a, um, a licensed therapist. Uh, she is a, a certified life coach and a full professor of social work. So if you'd like to learn more about the work she does, you can go to coachingwithdralicia.com or you can follow her at coachingwithdralicia or you can follow us both at Boyce and Alicia. So you can follow all that on Instagram. So feel free to follow that. Uh, hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. So let's, um, so let me, let me, let me uh, bring up something I was thinking about this morning um, uh, in terms of just um, piggybacking off of what you were talking about in terms of Janet and, and that's <laughs> that strong father figure and mm -hmm. which comes with its pros and its cons. It, I wonder how her relationship with Joe played out in her relationships with the other men that she was with. You know, she was first with the guy from DeBarge who had the drug addiction. Then she had a husband for nine years, Renee. What's his, what's his name, Renee? Renee, with the drug addiction. Yeah, who had a drug addiction. <laughs> and then there was yeah. Jermaine Dupree, who Ooh. doesn't have a drug addiction, but People Dupree, still, you know, I people still talked about that relationship a you lot. Know, you, I wonder about how vulnerable she was mm. when she was with Jermaine. She probably was vulnerable with all three of those Man, so. and you know, she didn't mention anything about the baby daddy. The Her baby. baby daddy wasn't in the. Really? Who, did you Did you hear anything oh, about that's the right. baby daddy? It's I almost forget. like yeah, she had a baby at fifty. It ended with the baby, but we were like, and I was like, and the daddy. <laughs> she didn't mention anything. And wasn't it rumored? 
I have no idea what is real with Janet Jackson. But mm, is it okay. is it some prince or something? What? The Wasn't prince? it like some oh, that's right. some really yeah. some wealthy Yeah, I think she got rid with some guy that was super rich. I forgot what some wealthy prince and had a baby. I don't know. Yeah, I do I, really I do I do know. actually remember that. I do remember something about a wealthy dude and um some sheikh or a prince or something. And those sheikhs and princes in Saudi Arabia are very wealthy. They're very wealthy, but they're also very controlling. Mm. I think can be yeah. perceived that way. Yeah. So we don't know. We have no idea. Yeah, yeah. We have no idea. What's that's true. She on. didn't say anything about that. Didn't yeah. mention him at all. You know, now that I'm really thinking about it, mm -hmm. I feel like even though I like I, I think the documentary did a good job of making me really respect and admire what Janet has accomplished. Yeah. I can't help but feel like I've been a little bit like kind of played. <laughs> like, like I was just fed a big, big spoonful of propaganda, and and then I'm, I, I I took the whole spoonful in because I'm sitting there thinking, like I wonder what the other darker side of that documentary would look like, you yeah. know? Because that because she did she was very selective about who was in it, what they talked about, good, what 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 was not discussed, and I think that's fine though, right? Mm -hmm. like, that's why that's yeah. why black people have to own our own media. Like we own our mm -hmm. own media and tell our own stories and. We get to look like the heroes, you mm -hmm. know. And I appreciated what she did with that with that power, right? She she didn't she, she didn't crap on her father because for a long time all people talked about with Joe Jackson was that he was basically like Ike Turner. Mm -hmm. But you know, I was the interview they in they she played the interviews where he talked about discipline, mm. and it really really wasn't anything out of the ordinary from the words coming out of Joe's mouth. Mm -hmm. Joe Jackson, Mr. Joe Jackson's mouth. And I really love the fact that at the end of that documentary, she all the proceeds went to the YMCA in Gary, Indiana. Yes. That is fat that YMCA yes. saved so many people. Did it? Where were we gonna be? I, I didn't go to the Y, but um, but I know a lot of people who did. Mm, who wow. who went there. I mean, they it was really um it was really a beautiful, remarkable place for children to go. So it's really nice that she gave um, the proceeds back there. That was really surprising. Oh, by the way, mm -hmm. E.L. said Reeby is the oldest. Yeah, um, we got, we got. Uh, Reeby, isn't yeah, Reeby? Steven said it straight. Steven said, y'all okay. mixing up. The, we mixing the up Renee's. people? Yeah, y'all y'all assumed that she had a sister named Renee when it was her husband who was Her named. husband named Renee. So we so should Reby, like look it up and do the official. Reeby, Reeby's, Reeby looks good. What is she? She's gotta be 70. <laughs> was she the one that was in the documentary? She was the one in the documentary. She did a good job of, I think, it, you could tell, like, she decided, I'm going to really support my sister on this, and I'm yeah. really going to put it into context. And she did great. Um, she's the one I remember the most besides uh, oh, Tito. But she had that song. Oh, I just remember. What's that song? Centipede. Song? She had that song, Centipede. No. I remember doing, like, I remember doing the... Um, yeah back in the 80s i guess they tried to launch her career i don't know what happened but oh. she did she had that hit song though centipede that was really i was waiting for more music from her because i love that song well maybe reby reby was like in that experimental generation <laughs> Testing it out. I, I feel like they think about it right like you have these masterminds pay attention now i'm mm -hmm. noticing I, I figured out i have a theory <laughs> i have a theory okay y'all ready y'all ready for my theory all right so you have these mastermind black men who lead their children to extraordinary greatness, mm -hmm. right? It comes with a lot of discipline, which which might cause some trauma or, or require some therapy later. But <laughs> but it comes with rewards. It comes with riches, lots of riches, right? 
Uh, who am I talking about? I'm talking about Earl Woods, the father of Tiger Woods, uh, Richard Williams, father of Vincent Serena, and Joe Jackson, the father of the Jacksons. Great black men who really had a vision for their children. What one pattern you notice amongst all those men? Twofold. One, they were all accused of being abusive because they were very, very disciplined with their kids. Right. That that's the first pattern. Uh, um, and two, the way they all, which came with being called crazy, whatever, by the media. Mm-hmm. Right. Because who? I mean, who goes? Who raises their kids? You know, swearing that their kids are going to be the next greatest whatever in the world. All three of them had tremendous confidence. All three of them, before their kids became famous, were telling you, "Oh, my kids are going to be the greatest." Every one of them, every one of them. And they all got ridiculed because people are like, come on, like, or like Venus's daddy looks like, yeah, everybody thinks their child's going to be a tennis star. Oh, wait, you really, you really want to tell us that she got a little sister that's as good as as she is. You got lightning struck once. It ain't going to strike twice in your household. Right. So, so that regard is amazing. But here's the other Mm -hmm. funny little thing I noticed. Oh, what? Okay. What? They all kind of like all of them, like when they had the successful kids, it's it's almost like I feel like they had do-overs. Like they had the first, you know, the first set of kids where things didn't quite work out the way they wanted. And then they got in their 40s and, and their vision became clearer. And they'd have like another set of kids. <laughs> and, be like, and that would be, those would be the ones that take off. These like, are the ones. Yeah, because remember, like Tiger, uh, not Tiger. Oh, um, let's start with uh, Richard Williams. When when the King Richard documentary came out, yeah, he was criticized. Remember his, pre- his first kids came out and were like, Screw that man. He's like his first kids. <laughs> he abandoned the whole family. Like he went and just started a new experiment with Venus and Serena and for, acting like we didn't <laughs> exist. And then uh Tiger Woods daddy, Earl. Did he Tiger, have other brothers? Yes. I that did was not his, know that. That was his second family. You're kidding me. No, that was his second family. <laughs> and then with Joe, Joe didn't start a second family, but what Joe did was like if you look, you had Reby. Reby was supposed to be his first kid. <laughs> Reby was Reby was cute. Yeah. Back in the day, she yes. was. But she didn't have. She didn't. It was maybe wrong time. Maybe they did. The vision wasn't good. Maybe and I get it. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I totally get it. You know why I get it? You know why yeah. I get it? Because right now I'm raising Tater. Yeah. And I'm talking to Taylor about all the things required to be successful, <laughs> and you can't tell me Tater ain't gonna be the greatest, most successful human being ever. And, but here's the thing, right? Like Monique, my goddaughter, who's like my daughter, right? Mm-hmm. She She's just like Taylor. And she says, and she made a joke. She said, yeah, so Taylor's your do-over. Mm-hmm. You get to, you know, I'm like, yeah, she, <laughs> she reminds me so much of you and, uh-huh, and everything else. Uh-huh. And and it's like that, but that's what you do, I, I guess. And, and, may, and so in a way, maybe I'm, I'm identifying with these dads because I identify with them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you just uh-huh. really, when your kids are like, talented or passionate or you want the best for them you just really are like okay i figured this thing out called life i figured the game out here's all you got to do is abc one two three and I, to me i believe that's what that's what fathers are supposed to do yeah yeah it is you're supposed to look at your children and watch them and find out what they're just naturally good at i mean he didn't tell them to pick up an instrument and start playing and singing and all that mm. he just heard um the mama Say they they I don't know what they're doing. They're just in there singing and dancing. And he paid attention to them and said, "Oh, I could see something. Oh, okay, I can see there's something great." So that is isn't that a great parenting? That is good yeah, parenting. I think so. I think so. Seeing what your children are good at and just supporting yes. that and cultivating it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and mm-hmm. I think that what you learn from if if mm-hmm. it was possible that there was like 
a little too much discipline, a little too much trauma in the family or whatever, um, or the price paid for success was too high. I think we can learn from that, right? Because remember, Joe Jackson, as much as people can criticize him for being a strict disciplinarian, look at what Gary was becoming and what he was trying. He had a whole flock, a whole gang of kids, mm-hmm. mostly boys, that he's trying to protect from the damn streets. Yeah. You know, it so was, it was happening. You had, streets. He had, yeah, he had, to, he had to go into the yeah. slave codes to keep that <laughs> shit in order. Like, cause I, cause, and he, so he said, while, while he might be accused of being a strict disciplinarian, he saved um, his wife a lot of tragedy. You know, she didn't have mm-hmm. to deal with like any significant tragedy family wise, children wise until really until Michael died in his fifties. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm oh, sure there was some. I'm sure there was stuff along the way. Absolutely, yeah, but, absolutely. But still, yeah, and and I didn't realize that they actually went to school in Los Angeles and faced all that racism. Oh really? Like, oh, that's remember right. Remember that whole Encino? Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't. That. Now that was surprising. I just didn't know. I didn't realize, that, you know, that all that happened. But yeah, you make. He thought he was doing what was best for his family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like parents that yeah. want to protect their kids, they like. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm going to, I might beat you and choke you, but I'm not going to kill you. The police will beat you, choke you, kill you, and throw you in jail for the rest of your life. I'm not saying that's right, mm-hmm. but I'm saying that's what I, I remember my grandfather saying that to my mother. Like, you better whoop him before the police do. Oh, now, no, don't get me wrong. I know that <laughs> that's, so I know, things. I know that can be seen in, the, in a horribly negative light. Yeah. But at the same time, when I imagine what my life would have been like if I had been killed by the cops or if I was out here hooked on drugs or in prison with an 80 year sentence, I would trade the every ass. I would take every ass woman I got times 10 over any of those fates. Cause mm-hmm. I got friends that are in those situations. I got friends that are doing life in prison. I yeah. know people who died young, you know? So, so it doesn't mean it doesn't justify. It just means like sometimes with black people, you just stuck with these impossible choices. Or well, look at, look at Richard Williams trying to protect. He, he raising these girls in South central yeah, in the eighties. Yeah, that's a tough one. Everybody was dying. fighting off gang members on the tennis court. In the yes, middle of the night. Like, yes, getting beat up on the <laughs> tennis court. You know, like it's 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 crazy. Like sometimes we have to live in an alternate universe, like as black mm-hmm. people, because what they do to us in terms of that oppression and where they make us live and all of the it's terrible. How do you how do you cope with that without going crazy? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. I get it. Yeah, so shout out to the strong parents that uh-huh. they held it together, you know. I mean, and then they didn't get weird till they got to California. California. <laughs> <is really weird. laughs> they got seriously. introduced to all sorts of things. Yeah, mm-hmm. California, those crazy people out there. But even look at the DeBarge family, by the way. Uh, I have I love their um they I think VH1 They got a behind the music. No, it's, it's their version of it. Oh, of, okay. Um, What's it called? Oh geez, now I'm blanking on the word. So the VH was it VH1? No, TV one. <clears throat> mm, okay. Not VH1. TV one, they do a um ah uh, they do a sort of like a mini documentary of well let's just families. call it let's just call it behind the music. Okay. All right. They do a mini documentary. <laughs> Everything's behind the music. I wanna call, yeah, it's their version, TV one. Oh, it's called Unsung. Unsung. Donald says called yes. Thank you, Donald the, and Alan. The DeBarge unsung. Oh my God! Same scenario. Whole yeah. bunch of kids. the The father was military, white wow. man oh, in the military. Very, very abusive. So wow. I can see why a DeBarge and a Jackson would get together because 
you know, they kind of have that sort of really hard father. And, um, you know, all those debarges really succumb to, a lot of them succumb to drugs. Gosh. You know, and well, so. Well, you know, and, and I mm-hmm. think it was easier to succumb to drugs in the 70s and 80s because I don't think people back then really knew how dangerous the drugs were, like they know now. Like, I think now we really understand. Mm-hmm. If you don't know drugs will mess you up by now, then somebody just didn't send you the memo. Mm-hmm. But I think back then it was just like, oh, here's this thing that'll make you feel good. You know, maybe drugs back then to them were like what social media stuff. Maybe 20 years from now, like our kids will be like getting therapy saying my parents were social media addicts. And- okay. It, it can be, <laughs> but the, the thing with the drugs is that it, um, the pain is so strong that the emotional pain that they're going through is so strong that they use drugs mm. to kind of escape. And I'm certain, I mean, looking at that, uh, unsung special of the DeBarge. If anyone can, should check that out, you definitely understand why they use drugs because mm. they went through a lot of torture from their father. It wow. was a little more than what I think Joe Jackson mm. would have done, but I think it, um, look at that, a whole nother family trying to escape and use music, but they grew up in Detroit. Wow. So they were right there. Well, I mean, I mean, there you go. Detroit, Let, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I love Detroit, right? Some parts of Detroit are wonderful. Mm-hmm. Some parts of Detroit ain't wonderful. Okay. You know, like there, there's a Detroit experience that's just yeah. not fair. You know, it's not, it's just not fair. Like, you know, when I just think about some of the conditions some of our people have to grow up in, you know, it just ain't fair. Like if a, a kid's like in the ninth grade, he literally has to worry about being shot on the way to school. Jeez. I mean, it, that, it's, it's, our, our kids go through that. Nobody else's kids go through stuff like that. That's it's, crazy. So, it's so remarkable. And even in those conditions, we were making music. Some We were making the best music in the world. Yes, we were. We still are. Still are, to some yeah. extent. Yeah, making the best music in the world. So I don't know what that does, the struggle and in the, in the, putting it out into your songs and music. Mm. I don't know what that does to us, but that's a combination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been doing that since slavery. You know, and oh, the, that's right. I mean, it's just now we, it ju- is. we now we just now started getting paid for it. But I mean, well, we've been making the best music. Black people originated everything creative. What's that mean? That, what's that mean that the kids were playing yesterday? Meme. The me the one where the rapper was on. Maybe I shouldn't talk about it. Where the rapper oh, was I got, on there. I got a plan. I just need a platform. Yeah, I got a plan. I just need platform. Oh, I God. sign any deal. <laughs> I can't even imitate. I get out the deal. I get out the deal. Who was that? Do you remember young, his name? It was Young Thug. Young Thug said. I, I, I know. He said. He said, "I am talented." And they were like, "But you signed in the deal." He said, "I don't care how bad that deal is. I'm gonna get out of the deal." And they were like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah, right. I know how to get out of it which or is, whatever. Which is hilarious. We digress from Young Thug. Yeah, but I mean, the point of it is that. He he thinks that he has the talent, and he said, oh. "I just need the platform. I got the talent. I'll make well, it work." Well, you, you know, know what's interesting about the music industry, though, is that we have an oversupply of talent. Yeah, you know, like for every Jackson family that becomes successful, there's like probably ten thousand other families that made the same sacrifice, and nobody ever uh, heard of them, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we got to kind of remember is that this is kind of a lottery ticket, and then what they yeah. do is if they market the winner of the lottery ticket, you know, broadly enough. Everybody thinks, oh, I got a chance. I got a chance. Like when um when Chris Rock made the joke about Janet Dayton and Jermaine Dupree. <laughs> he said, when we saw Jermaine Dupree and Janet Jackson together, I thought, I had a chance. <laughs> Even I had a chance. He said, we <laughs> all had a chance. Yeah. You know, and, and that's and that's the thing, right? And the mm-hmm. thing is, um, this type of success is very rare. And 
what I think is um, when I think about entertainment and sports, it's like mm-hmm. a gift and a curse, right? You know, because we bring all this talent to the table. The music industry has probably literally made a couple trillion dollars off of the black community, at least, right? Uh, sports, you know, I was looking at the NFL mm-hmm. and how much money they're making. They're making money hand over fist. And those, the best athletes on that field are black. You know, they get, sure, they get paid something, right? But we we just pay, we carry the load mm-hmm. for everybody else to get rich, you know? And I kind of feel that um, that requires us to kind of shift a little bit mm-hmm. where, you know, maybe with those, you know, like Janet said, I wanted to go to law school. Maybe we do need more black business oriented, you know, legal minded mm-hmm. or just intelligent people that can say, I ain't going to sing or dance. I just want to own the record label. I want to own, mm-hmm. you know, I want to own the business behind the sport or behind the entertainment so that I can make sure my community benefits from this. Because that's the other thing too, right? If you look at, for example, let's say you compare the success of the Jackson family, which was enormous, right? They became massive and they were wonderful people. Um, you know, it, it, imagine though instead if, the other vision had been, we're going to create, uh, we're going to do what the Warner Brothers did and mm. sell the family cow in 1902 and start a start a crappy little film company called Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. right? Which is going to make a tr- you know, trillion dollars over the next hundred years, right? Mm-hmm. Think about this, right? Uh, if you if they if you start something like that, you can go back to a Gary and literally transform that entire city. Like you can literally go in that city and transform it completely because you've got corporate level money. Like a lot of black wealth and success in our successful entertainers, that's one off. That's one one guy who got really rich, one family that got really rich. But, you know, when you look at captains of industry in the white community that are really killing it, like Bill Gates, Bill Gates could go and lift the per capita income of an entire state if he wanted to. He owns more farmland than any human being on the entire planet, if I'm not mistaken, or definitely in the United States. Right. So I think that that next generation, that's what I'm looking for is to say, okay, if we got a Janet and a Michael in our family, we're going to take Reby. Reby going to go to law school. Tito's going to go to business school. Jermaine's going, you know, going to be learning how to run an organization and how, how we can hire thousands and thousands of people to come and work for our company. You know, that's doable. Like Elon Musk has hired uh, probably half a million people. Jeff Bezos has hired over a million people at Amazon. You know, where's the black Jeff Bezos? That's what I want to see. Yeah. So there's a shift. What what you're saying is that there needs to be a shift in our thinking. Yeah. There needs to be a shift in our thinking because Gary is for sale. (laughs) Did you see? I mean, that was what was terrible about that documentary was that they showed the rundown deplorable conditions in Gary. Like it's mm -hmm. for sale. Oh yeah. It's it's all black. It's still all black. And um Mm -hmm. and it is it is possible. And look at the location of Gary's right there on that beachfront. White people are starting to buy up Gary. Uh, Yeah, yeah. My mom calls me because she lives in Miller Beach and she calls me. She's like, There's white people walking their dogs outside in front of my door Something going on. property values are gonna go up <laughs> she's like she's like what is this you know so it, there it does need to be a shift and you think about like when michael jackson one thing my mom was telling me is that michael jackson when when michael jackson just first came out with his first song it was unbelievable that a little kid like this was singing as well as he was singing you never oh no one amazing. ever saw no one ever imagined 
that that little body could just like project so much voice. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like these are pave. What do they call it? Waymaker, pave makers. No. You know people who do things that's never been done before. What are they called? Trailblazers, right? So these are trailblazers. Did you say wave pakers? Yeah. No, I said wave. <laughs> I was saying wave makers or trailblazers. Trailblazers, oh, right? Okay, got it. Got Thank it. you. Right. Um. Yeah, English is English my first language. Anyway, so but that's what was really, really interesting about the Jacksons and other people who are very successful. They're doing something that's never been done before. Mm-hmm. So it has to be a shift. You have to like take the boring and like add something new to it that we have never seen before, and that's what's gonna take off. Yeah, and I and I think what's what's really great about what you just said is um it's it's not it, you know, it's it doesn't I, I don't even think it requires us to change who we are in terms of like what we're good at. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. keep popping your shit, keep being, you know, keep being black excellence when it comes to entertainment and sports, you know, we're going to keep producing the Kobe Bryant's and the Michael Jackson's and the, and the Serena Williams's and the Janet Jackson's, right. We're going to keep on cranking that out. But the question becomes, when you talk about elevating a community, the question you must ask is what do you do with the millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of black people who never become a Serena Williams, who never become a Kobe Bryant, right? Like, you know, because right now, those millions of people say, well, I, I think I could be a Kobe Bryant. No, you can't. You're not You're not even five foot nine. How are you going to be a Kobe Bryant? You can't. No, you can't. Right? right. So, mm-hmm. so, but here's the thing, right? Like, um, and I think LeBron, LeBron kind of taps into this just a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, LeBron's got a whole gang of dudes around him who don't dribble basketballs, who are making millions of dollars for their families and for the community by doing things that are related to the business of sports, right? Mm-hmm. The, the the playing on the field <laughs> is only a drop in the bucket of the total income generated uh, in sports. I mean, go to my, my Instagram, by the way, is The Real Boys Watkins. I put up a video this morning um, about the NFL and how much, in, how insane the amount of money is that the white owners make off those black players. It's crazy. It's unbelievable how much money they make. Every year it goes up. Like the team values all went up like between 10% and 20% last year. And the Chicago Bears were bought for, I think, $100. And they're worth $4 billion right now. Right? So your great-grandfather, your, literally your great or your great-great-grandfather could have bought like the Chicago Bears for a hundred dollars, and they'd be worth four billion dollars today, you know. But anyway, my point is to say that just kind of being in tune with that is important, right? So, so, and I think all of us can do this—not just the Michael Jacksons of the world, but to kind of say, look, if I become the successful one in my family, and I get out here and I'm doing well, I'm making good money, driving a nice car, living a good life, how do I multiply that success? Well, the way you multiply that success is through black-owned businesses. Right. Because if I have a business, because if I become successful, that's one guy. But if I go and I hire 20 or 30 people, then I've elevated the condition of several people, dozens of people, not just myself. Yeah. So what you're saying is that um, we're looking at celebrities. We're looking at celebrities make a lot of money and doing living this celebrity life, being a, a superstar, being a basketball player, athlete, whatever, whatever they're doing to to be they're on the television they're on tv and they're successful but i think what you're also saying is that underneath all that in order to get that engine going there could be a lot of quiet millionaires (laughs) just walking around being i'm being my own janet jackson in my own in my own craft i'm the janet jackson of therapists thank you very much you know it's like and i don't need i don't need your 
sign on, you know, so I'm yeah. going to be, I'm going to have my own tour, <laughs> world tour, and then yeah. be great. Like the, yeah. like the, the, like the really rich white boy that you met who, whose family makes couch springs. Oh my goodness. He makes a little spring in the couch and his family's made like a crazy fortune. Coil. He made, couch he, said, he said, my family makes the, co in Gary, it was so funny. I went on this retreat and he walked up to me and he said, um, we just kind of talked and I told him, we were just kind of talking about ourselves. Oh, I'm from Gary. And he said, wow, my family business is in Gary. And I was thinking, business? It's got to be the steel mill. He said, yeah, we make the little metal coils that go on all couches. I said, all couches? Yeah, it's a little thin little piece of metal on couches. I said, gosh, y'all are wealthy. <laughs> he said, well, and then he went on and told a whole bunch of other unbelievable stories. Well, did you say his family owns a law firm that the Obamas used to work Yeah, with? he said, well, we're we're kind of poor, according to the rest of my family, because um, my uncles or whatever owned the law firm that Barack Obama and Michelle Obama worked. I said, oh, well, okay. Mm, <laughs> I was like floored. <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, so, so it's kind of like like, I, I think that's the next evolution in all this, yeah. right? Like, you know, if you have millions of our young people that are really trained in mm -hmm. owning businesses, then, you know, if they know people that are, you know, in entertainment or whatever, you can structure a business around that so yeah. that, you know, other people can succeed and not just you. Because, you know, with what the Jacksons were able to accomplish, I would have loved it. Like, let's say, imagine if I if I grew up and I was Michael Jackson's best friend. And I became, you know, and I, I'm studying powernomics and I'm hanging out with Dr. Claude Anderson. Yeah. And, he, and he's sitting there saying, I have an extra hundred million dollars that I'm about to go blow at the Gucci store. Or you remember Michael, how Michael used to spend money? It was crazy. <laughs> he would go and drop $300,000 on the shopping trip and then do it again the next day. Right. And uh, and it got to the point where he couldn't afford his own lifestyle, which is insane. And he couldn't even understand it. He said, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> he just yeah. thinks it's an endless amount of money. Right. Yeah. Right. So imagine if somebody like me was sitting next to him and said, no, 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 Michael, here, you, yeah. you take, you know, go blow, go blow half a million today. I'm going to take $3 million. I'm about to go back to Gary and we're going to be buying up entire city blocks in Gary, in your yeah. city. We're going to make sure that, you know, a hundred thousand black boys and black girls got a community center to go to, that they're getting a proper education, that they have, that, that they have housing, that they have job opportunities, that they're starting businesses. Like, and, and I don't think he would have protested that at all. I think, I think that he was looking for solutions. Like I feel like Michael, like Michael, he was hanging out with Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson. And I think, and, and while I think those solutions might've made sense during the civil rights era, I think long-term we learned as a people that you got to include black economics in your agenda. If you don't include the economic side, then what you're going to do is have a bunch of civil rights protesters who are broke as hell. Now I do remember Michael, I think, it, do you remember the, M, I, I don't know if this is just a rumor, but the MJ project where Michael Jordan and Michael Jackson and Magic Johnson, MJs, I think mm. they did get together to do something. I don't even know what it was. It that, didn't work. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah, the MJ. I, I remember reading about it years nice. ago, about the MJ project. That would be pretty cool to see. Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson. But Magic Johnson, he opened those um movie theaters, remember? Yeah, he did. I wonder how they're doing. I don't know. I don't know what Michael Jordan was doing, mm. if anything. Well, you know, Michael Jordan, no. well, you know, we know, I mean, we know Larry mm -hmm. Miller, the CEO of the Jordan brand. Mm -hmm. And I talked, you know, I talked to Larry not too long ago and I really like Larry a lot. I have a mm -hmm. lot of respect for him. And I really just from knowing him and kind of being up close, mm -hmm. I got a sense that 
Michael Jordan has not com- forgotten that he's black. Oh, good. Okay. Right. You All know, right. that, that he does kind of understand that. But I think the question is, what is our standard as a people? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that perhaps challenging them to do a little bit more mm-hmm. is, um, is okay. It's okay to do that, you know, uh, because, because what you really need is something that's going to really secure the masses and allow, you know, hundreds of thousands of people to benefit, not just a few elite people. Right. Like, so if you say, Hey, I'm, I, I made a hundred million dollars and I hired, you know, my 20 best friends, that's great. You know, that's a good start, mm-hmm. but why not hire your 20,000 best friends? You know, why not? You know, because again, I, I compare it. Look, if you look at the Jeff, Jeff look at Jeff Bezos, mm-hmm. he didn't just go make a billion dollars and hire, you know, five of his homies. You know, he made billions of dollars and he is literally employing over a million people. So if they can do it, we can do it. If, if he can employ over a million people, then a Michael Jordan can get together with some banks and some funders and employ a hundred thousand. Yeah. And I'm not certain that the Jacksons had that sort of mindset necessarily. Right. Um, uh, but I do remember there were some moments where Michael Jackson was like really black. Oh, Michael. You're just Mike, like, whoa. <laughs> well, Michael, Michael never forgot he was black. Yeah. You know? And he would talk like, a lot about the, the racism. It's the racism. But he would talk. Also racist. <laughs> you are so funny. Also racist. He but, would talk a lot about the music industry. Remember that really lucid conversation he had in Harlem? Was he with Al Sharpton? Yeah, I think so. And he just got on that stage. There's video of that where he just really lucidly talked about the record companies are evil. And, you know, he talked a lot. So I don't, we don't know what all he saw. But, yeah, I think that, you know, later on in their lives, they start to realize, you know, they start to see the game for what it is. And and um, Janet didn't go there on his on her documentary. She just she that wasn't the <clears throat> the point of it. That's true. She didn't really talk about race like that. Except she, for when they talk about the racism they endured in Encino. Yeah. But outside of that, she didn't really her whole thing, her whole flavor was more like I'm transcending race. Mm, That's what I got. I got the I got it that it's more of a transcendence. And I'm cool her. with that. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like she handled that well. But you but you are right. I do remember Michael talking about the racism in the industry and, and the, the evilness. But but here's the thing, right? Um, I, th- I I would encourage people to kind of look at it from another perspective too. Not not that this perspective is not valid because mm-hmm. they they are they probably are racist, but but I would also look at it as um, what what we might think is evil is really insiders taking care of their own, which is kind of what I think black people should consider. You know, we we know that the entertainment industry is controlled largely by the Jewish community. And I have all my students in the Black Business School read um, How the Jews Invented Hollywood, you know, an empire of their own. It's literally called an empire of their own because they said, we're going to, we're not, you know, we can't get, because remember, they were being discriminated against just like us. They were dealing with quote unquote evil people who wouldn't let them in. So they said, let's create an empire of our own. And then we get to, people get to call us evil, right? Rather than being the hater, I'd, I'd rather be hated than be a hater, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that's what it is. You got a choice. You can either be a hater, be mad. Because somebody's protecting their empire, or you could be hated because people are mad because you're protecting yours, you know. And so I I think that with with that industry, um, even though there it is, it it's kind of sinister a little it bit. It is sinister. <laughs> it is sinister. But I bet you, if I if you grew up as a Jewish kid in the synagogue, wired in to those Jewish power brokers, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel evil to you. It feels like home. 
<laughs> that's just how we are. Home, yeah. It's like the Ferengi of <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what, of the world. From, but, if but I that, well, that's what Star that's Trek. what home. But home is supposed to feel like yeah. that. Home is supposed to feel like a fortress. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to feel like you're protected. It's supposed to feel like you know. Okay, they got me. They got my back. So honestly, if you spend most of your time having the backs of your own people, you ain't got the time to you got time to have backs you know, the back of people you don't know. <clears throat> so black people, they were like, I think in the in- entertainment industry, they're like. Okay, we need black people because they have all the talent. Mm-hmm. So how do and we the, and the fresh ideas? Yeah, right. How do we get their talent without giving them any of our power? Wow, they definitely nailed that one. Yeah, and you know what? I'm not mm-hmm. even mad at it because I'd be thinking the same damn thing. So don't hate the player. Don't hate don't the hate game. The if <laughs> I was sitting, seriously, if I'm sitting around with a bunch of black folks and we got all the power, mm-hmm. and we say, "Damn." But we need to sell Chinese food because everybody wants Chinese food. We don't know how to make Chinese food. <laughs> Let's go hire the Chinese guy and let him to cook put in the kitchen. In yeah. Right. And we'll put I mean, see, I'm not saying and I'm not, I'm not, and it sounds it sounds mean to say it that way, but that's how powerful, you know, entities think. Like yeah, black people have to protect what, what is ours. But the thing is, is that as black people, we're so powerful and we don't even know it. It's yeah. every day to us, and they're like, "No, that's really great. You don't even know your greatness." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. we we have, you know, we we we're sitting on the gold mine, right? It doesn't make sense to be as rich as we are in terms of talent, skill, resources, yeah. but to be as poor as we are economically. That don't make no sense. Like Africa, the richest continent on earth, but yet more poverty than you mm. can ever imagine. Crazy. Crazy. But anyway, let me let me stop. I digress. Any, I don't any, think we digress. I think we're kind of on topic. I know. And by the way, you listen to a Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia Watkins. And uh, this is my wife, Dr. Alicia Watkins. She's a licensed therapist and a um, certified life coach and a full professor of social work. If you want to follow her on Instagram, you can go to coaching with, at coaching with Dr. Alicia or coachingwithdralisha.com. Uh, she sees clients and stuff like that on a regular basis. Also, if anybody has an interest in ever... Uh, supporting the platform, you can join our League of Intelligent Black People by going to intelligentblackpeople.com in exchange for supporting the platform. I deliver, uh, you guys know my PhDs in finance, so I know stocks and all that stuff really well. So uh, what I do for the patrons is I give them stock selections um, every week, stocks that I pick from my own portfolio, for my own family. And also um, I will invite you into private um, Black Wealth conversations. So uh, if you are inspired to support uh, because we're building Black-owned media, feel free to go to intelligentblackpeople.com. Uh, we don't do charity. Uh, it's a trade. So we want to help you. If um, and we'd, we'd love it if you'd help us. But if you don't, that's okay, too. Totally up to you. All right, guys. So let's... Um, uh, let's Are we wrapping up? Let, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. It is, it is time to... Oh, I do have a parting thought. What is your parting thought about Janet okay, Jackson? The so Janet Jackson documentary. The Janet Jackson which we highly recommend, by the way. This is this is something outside of the documentary because I just follow Janet's life. Okay. I remember years ago watching an interview of Janet Jackson on BET. And I think it was that guy. What's his name? He had those real light eyes. Was it Donnie Simpson? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I remember him interviewing interviewing her and she talked about having different personalities that oh, I thought she? was really curious. So, I'm, what was it? Was one like Demita Joe? Demita Joe, which is interesting because her dad's name is Joe. Mm, oh, oh, right. So I'm like, mm, ooh, wow. You what is deep that with about? It. No, yeah, that was deep, Shouty. <laughs> that was deep. Go ahead. Yeah, and then she had another personality called Strawberry something. 
Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of it. And then she talked about, now I don't know if she means like personalities, like different sides of her or personalities, like Persona- a different personality. Personalities or personas. <laughs> she said personalities, which, mm, which really, you know, in my field, and I wasn't even, I was kind of early on in my field, but I knew enough to know that that was a little interesting. Mm, like okay. she straight up, I mean, I'm using her words. It's not like I'm making up something. She said, I have different personalities. Interesting. And all I can think about is trauma. (laughs) Oh, wow. You know, like even back then, my young ears back then picked up that something was not quite, um, that she needed some healing. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, um, I, I almost feel like being black means we, most of us can benefit from some healing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, even if, you know, even if we survive the storm, there's just so much to process, you know. So I encourage everybody to find your pathway to healing. I mean, the, the answers are out there, you know. Um, happiness is out there for you. You just got to find it. And it's probably inside of you. It's not, you know, it's, it's not, um, you know, it's not in some pretty lady. It's not inside mm-hmm. some fancy job. It's not in a bag of potato chips. <laughs> it's inside yourself. So. Um, so there we go. Look well, at you. I think, well, I think, oh, I'll say that, that. There you go. So that's my parting thought. Okay. I'd say, you know, I, cause I feel like, um, I enjoyed the documentary. I mean, I, I feel like Janet uh, did a great service to her family. Um, and I was reading up on the Jackson family estate. It's real interesting. The judge came out and ruled that the, um, Michael Jackson's estate is worth $111 million, which didn't make any sense really? to me. It didn't make any it sense to be me. More than that. Right. Because he made the, the estate made 800 million in 2018. So I was like, how does an estate that made 800 million in 2018 oh. end up with a value of only 111 million? But I, I figured, I believe what's because what was going on was they were battling with the IRS for a decade because oh, the, I, the IRS, because what happened was the, the, um, the attorneys for Jackson like reported that his estate was worth $7 million or something. Right. And the IRS was like, no, that's BS. It's worth 1.2 billion. And so, so they taxed him at 1.2 billion. So they've been fighting in court over the tax bill and they, and the estate won um, the case. So the IRS owed um, the Jackson family, like hundreds of millions of dollars. You're kidding me. The IRS owes the Jackson family money. Yes. Yes. Well, 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 wow. What's funny though is. I'm like, you know, Michael Jackson's estate ain't worth no damn $111 million. It's way more than that. Yeah, that, that's a that's a half billion dollar estate at least, at least. But that's but that's a, like a little business lesson, right? A lot of business owners. This is why America screwed up financially. Let me just explain to you. People that run these businesses and corporations are able to write off everything and to deflate their value and deflate their income to the point where the IRS says, oh, well, I don't need to tax you. You didn't make any money. But these people be flying in private jets, drive riding in limos, you yeah, know. But they're doing business with that. <laughs> right, right. It's crazy. But that's that's why that's if something. you if you ever wonder why our government is twenty nine trillion dollars in debt and will never get out of debt ever. They're not our, taxing the rich enough. It's because they're not taxing the rich. The yeah. people that get taxed are the people that go to work every day. You know, oh. the people, yeah, they, that they, because you know, they go, how many of y'all either have a job He's or Fica, had a job? I can't remember, <laughs> yeah, I can't remember FICA coming in and literally robbing you at gunpoint in every paycheck. Like, FICA killing me, man. <laughs> right, right. That's, that's, and that's a problem. That is a big problem. That's, that's going to be one of the things that destroys America because you're basically allowing elite people to live well on the backs of working class people. It's wrong because, because everybody, everybody's got a job. 
that gets that check has felt that frustration mm-hmm. of looking at your check and being like, where did my money go? That's why I became a business owner. I said, okay, well, I mean, if the system's rigged, let me rig it in my favor. You know, it's crazy though. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, that's, I'm shaking my fist in the air again. Oh, no, you're not. Well, I wouldn't call this shaking your fist in the air though. I think this is just, <laughs> it's this okay. Is- when you become like, kind of old and cranky power to the people i'm like okay stop being cranky boys yeah <laughs> settle, it, settle it down <laughs> yes mom All right. but then you're not then you know with this i don't think you're shaking the fist you're just teaching us okay well i appreciate that thank yeah. you thank you for allowing me to share all right guys <laughs> we're gonna get out of here i, I think it's, it's it's morning time so i'm gonna go back to sleep but anyway guys it was great talking to you um hit the thumbs up button right now please hit the thumbs up thumbs up thumbs up share subscribe if you could um, share this commentary with other people, you know, I, we personally believe that uh, we need to celebrate intelligence, that it's okay to be smart. And I, and give me a yes in the chat. If you believe it's okay for black people to be smart, I, I hate the fact that ignorance gets promoted so much. Um, and I want to encourage you to, um, you know, be intelligent, learn what's going on in the world, be thoughtful and be proud of that. Uh, so hit the thumbs up button before you go. Also, Alicia's website is coachingwithdralicia.com. You can follow her at coachingwithdralicia. Of course, my website is boyswalkins.com, and my Instagram is the real boyswalkins. And uh, also, if you want to subscribe to the YouTube channel, you can go to boysandalicia.tv.com. So feel free to do that. All right, guys, we're out of here. Have a wonderful day. God bless you. We love you. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>